0: I've listened to Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers since the day it came out. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hey, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James. With me is Connor. Hello.
1: I feel healed already.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I can welcome you back to Spin It, but one thing I can't welcome you back to is the year of vengeance. It's over. It's behind us, and we're moving on into year three, into the year of healing. This is exciting. Happy, not birthday, anniversary.
1: Yeah. It's a birthday Oh, We're in the new year. Birthdays are a lot again.
0: Okay, sure. Happy birthday.
1: Yeah, it's birthday of the podcast. We're officially 2 years old. We're in our terrible twos. There it is. For the year of healing.
0: <laughs> we made it to the terrible twos. I wondered if you'd remember that cuz last year you joked about being in the horrible ones.
1: <laughs> I do remember
0: that. It was a that was a rough one, but the terrible twos is that's a much more palatable expression. Yeah. I decided to kick off the year of healing with kind of a an, an ironic pick on the surface, but I think it's really really good to begin a year of healing. And that's Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers is phoebe bridgers an artist you know anything about
1: uh i know they exist
0: okay that's good now now okay that's a key part of the <laughs> equation phoebe bridgers is one of those artists that i feel like a, a little bit hipster about you know like i kind of knew her before she was cool like i was there before her first album dropped and that's not like i don't know i don't mean that in like a looking down my nose at you way. yeah you do i just mean i've liked phoebe bridgers for a long time Yeah, you do you're already ju- oh
1: wait no healing like,
0: healing like- good grief I have really liked a lot of her music for a while, and I figured, you know, it'd be a fun way to start off the Year of Healing. I almost got to see her in concert. It got rained out. Oh,
1: sad.
0: I know. That was a big bummer for me. And I figured I'd compensate for that big bummer by doing an episode about her. So let's do an episode about her. Let's. Let's. There's some things you should know about Phoebe Bridgers, right? She was born in 1994 in Pasadena, California. We're back to California this week took a little time off, but you know, headed back. When she was 13, she started learning to play the guitar and earn money as a busker in the local farmer's market. You know, busking, like playing music in public, like a street performer with your guitar case open on the ground for tips. You know, you've seen buskers.
1: I definitely know what that is.
0: I know you know what a busker is, but just if you didn't. (laughs) When she was 13, she started to study vocal jazz at an art-focused high school, and she got more deeply involved in the local music scene, both as a solo artist and as a part of larger group acts like Sloppy Jane, which is an excellent band name for whom she was a bassist and a vocalist for a little while. After about a year with them in 2015, she left the band altogether and she applied for and got into the Berklee College of Music way over across the country in Boston. But after she got in, she decided to kind of pivot a little bit. She felt compelled to invest in her solo career rather than go to college. So after orientation, she dropped out and got to work. Back when she was in Sloppy Jane, the band was featured in an Apple commercial for the iPhone. And because of that, she earned enough money to comfortably get to work making a solo record on her own dime with that commercial money. When she finished the record, her plan was to shop it around to labels for record deals with like a finished record. That's a really unique thing. It doesn't happen much. You know, a lot of people come with demos or maybe not even demos, just like songs written, right? But she had a full record in hand, ready to go. So she got to work on what would become her debut record, 2017's Stranger in the Alps, another one that I love. And when she was making it, because she was totally flying solo, she had no oversight and a lot of support from people like her then-boyfriend Ryan Adams, who's an artist and a producer, or producer Tony Berg, who agreed to help her out with her record for free. Also, side note, Tony Berg has quite a resume himself. He played on the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. He was on the Muppet Show records, some of those. And he did a lot more work as a session guitarist. And as a producer, he worked with Beck, Peter Gabriel, Amy Mann, and more. Isn't it funny? I just always love to see how everything is so connected.
1: It's all about who you know. Who you know
0: and what records you've done. Yeah. In the meantime, Phoebe also starts touring as an opening act for Julian Baker and Connor Oberst, both of whom would go on to be very significant collaborators with Phoebe on entire album projects. We'll talk more about them in a bit. Keep those names in the filing cabinet of your brain for now and for later.
1: Filed under F for future
0: future great i wasn't sure if you put them under n for names or like o and b for oberst and baker or something else but no nah, f for, f for future.
1: future it's really just one big file that takes oh. up the entire drawer because there's basically you know you know how filing cabinets there's usually like multiple drawers and then you put a bunch of files in each of the drawers
0: yes i do know how filing cabinets are often like filing cabinets uh, sorry i did you just, I, you just described a filing cabinet to me well
1: okay well this is a three drawer filing cabinet <laughs> in my brain sure and each drawer represent there's one drawer for the past one for the present and one for the future and inside of each of those drawers is just three big manila folders that everything gets crammed into in no particular order
0: memories current like active knowledge and things i might need tomorrow yep that's efficient enough
1: 90 percent of the processing power of my brain goes to moving things from the present folder to the past folder
0: (laughs) oh i guess that's true you do have to clear it out in real time
1: (laughs) many files get lost
0: yeah i can imagine <laughs> that's my brain no <laughs> future collaborators right we're in 2017 now though for past in 2017 phoebe signs with dead oceans the label that's currently the home of connor Oberst's bright eyes also japanese breakfast Sloppy whoa wait, Jane, wait wait her former band
1: it, was this what i was saving it for no oh okay more into the future
0: yes further future work gotcha her debut record, Stranger in the Alps, came out to critical acclaim in September of 2017 and all the attention that it got opened a lot of new doors for her. After the album came out, our resident spin it pickle king John Mayer said the world had just witnessed the arrival of a giant.
1: fee five fo fum
0: Yeah. She performed on morning shows and an NPR Tiny Desk session. I love those, by the way. Side note, shout out to the NPR Tiny Desk concerts. I really enjoy those. Have you ever watched one?
1: No, absolutely not.
0: You haven't? Really?
1: If you said, what is NPR Tiny Desk session to me like five seconds ago, I would have said something you just made up.
0: Wow. Oh, I got to find one for an artist we've done and we can watch it maybe. It's it's them. They play at a tiny desk. Wonderful. It actually looks like a normal size desk, so I don't really know. I don't really get the concept, <laughs> but it is good. Anyway, her work also started to get sync placements in TV shows like Castle, Lethal Weapon, Switched at Birth, and a few others. But the big one is it also started to turn new eyes on her for potential collaborations. People have called Phoebe a serial collaborator, And that is so accurate. You know, for a career that's maybe like a decade on, the number of songs with a featuring Phoebe Bridgers tag out there is vast. It's a lot. She's worked with Fiona Apple. She's worked with The National. She's worked with Kid Cudi. Remember him? She's on his, I think, Man on the Moon 3.
1: I think you mean Kid Cudi.
0: No, I don't. And you know that. <laughs> she's also worked with Manchester Orchestra, the 1975, SZA, Lord Huron, Taylor Swift. And she's even formed two separate musical projects apart from her solo career. Get ready to open the filing cabinet. Ready? Mm-hmm a very heavy drawer
1: (laughs) yeah it sticks there's
0: a lot you got memorized for the future
1: chock full of, of things future is endless
0: Right, we'll move them to the present. One of Phoebe's extra musical projects is the supergroup Boy Genius, which she formed in 2018 with Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus. Their first EP came out that year.
1: Wait, we're, wait, we're leaving Connor Oberst in the future cabinet then?
0: For like two seconds.
1: Oh, oh okay. Yeah. sorry, continue.
0: Yes, good, good thinking though, good memory. Boy Genius' first EP came out later that year, and after a national tour, they put out their very first record, called The Record, just this year, in 2023. It's also on my ranking list, as of last month. Very solid. Then, the other thing in your filing cabinet, the other project she's taken on, is a little duo band with Connor Oberst called Better Oblivion Community Center. Their self-title record dropped in 2019, and they just work so well together. I love it. And you'll even hear them work together on this album. Nice. Mm-hmm.
1: And into the past they go.
0: Into the past. No. Keep keep Connor Oberst in your future. Again? And actually keep Julian Baker in your future, too. They're still coming up again.
1: Move them out of present back into the future?
0: Yeah, back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> Fire up the DeLorean. You'll need that information later. Somehow, in the middle of all those projects... Our favorite serial collaborator got around to making her sophomore album, Punisher, my ironic blessing upon our year of healing.
1: Didn't ask for your blessing or your irony.
0: I just wanted to... Put put an album here that would be a good start to the year of healing. I hope. I wanted to help us heal.
1: Only time will tell.
0: Only time, yeah. Punisher came out in late June 2020, just a few weeks ago. It celebrated its third birthday, which seems unreal. It doesn't seem like it's been three years already. But she actually surprise dropped it a day early, (laughs) at a time when a lot of albums were getting delayed and pushed back. She said, I'm not delaying the record until things go back to, quote, normal. Because I don't think they should. So here it is a little early. It was a nice surprise, a nice Midnight Thursday surprise.
1: We should release this episode, Midnight Thursday.
0: Oh, maybe we should. Then people would be like, why did you do this? And then we'd be like, oh, because here it is a little early, like the album. I like that. Maybe we'll do it. If you're listening to this episode, you already know whether that happened.
1: (laughs) My favorite part about that is that people are going to go, weird, this is out early. I wonder why. And then listen to the episode to find out why.
0: Or listen to us say that on Friday and be like oh they didn't do it yeah <laughs> that's the more likely answer <laughs> yeah uh, hey we say we come out every friday so
1: we'll release it thursday and then take it down and, and then put it, it back friday. up yeah yeah
0: smart that's great for our stats Yeah. just, <laughs> just
1: to lose all the views we got on thursday
0: <laughs> i've always called phoebe bridgers kind of an emo folk sound and while stranger in the alps is way more singer songwriter acoustic actual folk Punisher really leans more towards this ambient electronic kind of sound. It's a little more, I don't know. I don't want to say produced, but it's not an album that you can stand up on stage and play with just a guitar, right? Whereas Stranger in the Alps kind of is more. The New York Times said that while Alps is rooted in trauma, Punisher identifies tools that she used to deal with that trauma. And see, heal, you know? We're we're using the record of healing to kick off the year. years.
1: uh,
0: She put Punisher together over an 18-month period in Los Angeles with the same team of producers who helped out with Stranger in the Alps, including Tony Berg, and I think that gives this album a nice through-thread with Stranger in the Alps. It feels like a big sibling, and I like that. A lot of the songwriting, though, from Punisher is older. Some of it's even older than her first record. Other songs like I See You actually came about during sound checks on tours, like... It's a good mix of old stuff and new stuff. And that's nice. She said the album was an exercise in, quote, how to reference a hundred things at once that I've always loved since her musical inspirations and her musical inclinations have always been pretty diverse. So she wanted each song to be unique and have its own angle. You know, she didn't want to do an overdone take on a subject. But sometimes she would write these filler jokey verses in the songs, right? Like we talked about how other artists would do that. I feel like we mentioned Paul McCartney putting in joke verses for yesterday that were scrambled eggs, you know, just like nothing lyrics. Phoebe would put in a bunch of jokey lyrics into her songs with the intent to replace them but she just loved them too much. They stuck. And she just kept them around. Mm. So you see that a few different places on this record. And surprising nobody... Punisher features a whole host of guests, including a lot of people who were just hanging out at the studio at the time, including somebody you might not know, percussionist Jim Keltner.
1: Let me check the future file. Yeah. Nope, no records found. Could mean, don't know who they are, could mean file was lost in transportation.
0: Or yeah, you just never put it in the future. Well, Jim Keltner worked with Bob Dylan and John Lennon, among others. It also includes contributions from Connor Oberst, her fellow Boy Genius bandmates, from Blake Mills, who has worked with Weezer, with the Dixie Chicks, Lana Del Rey, and others. It also includes Christian Hudson, lots of other people. Plenty of... Outside help on Punisher. The other interesting thing about it is they recorded this album pretty much sequentially, right? They put every track together one by one in order. Five of the album's 11 songs, really of the album's 10 songs, if you exclude the intro type DVD menu opening... Five of its songs were singles, including Garden Song, Kyoto, I See You, I Know the End, and Savior Complex. It was a pretty big hit, Punisher was, with both fans and critics. Its Metacritic rating is an astounding 90 out of 100. Rolling Stone called the album visionary, and it made dozens of 2020 year-end best lists, often occupying a slot in the top 10, top 15. You know, it was very high up on a lot of year-end best lists, and it was a solid chart performer. Punisher peaked at number 43 on the Billboard 200, number 2 on the Top Alternative Albums chart in the United States, number 6 in the UK, 12 in Australia, 18 in Ireland, and more and it was nominated for three Grammys in 2021, including Best Alternative Music Album, and Kyoto got a Best Rock Performance and Best Rock Song nomination. So that's her most recent album-length project. That's the most recent Phoebe Bridgers LP. But since Punisher, she's embarked on a really extensive tour, like it just ended now. (laughs) She was even tapped as the opener on a couple different dates for Taylor Swift's ongoing Eras tour. She's put out a couple different EPs and singles since then, and like I said, side projects as active as ever. There's really no concrete word about her third solo record yet, but honestly, it could happen anytime. Who's to say? That one's in my filing cabinet under Future. I'm ready for it. <laughs> and as far as her awards and accolades go, she's got an Association of Independent Music Award for Independent Breakthrough Artist of the Year, which is a trend you'll see a lot if you look at her full list of awards in total between her solo work and her collaborations, she's got a total of five association of independent music award nominations she's got a total of four libera awards or libby's for record of the year with punisher for best alternative rock record best live stream act and interestingly enough best sync usage For I Know the End in episode six of the show Mayor of East Town, which I haven't seen, but apparently it's got some good sync usage. And in addition to Punisher's three Grammy nominations, she also has one as an artist Best New Artist nomination in 2021, which she lost to Megan Thee Stallion, who I believe. (laughs) You named as your favorite featured artist on, what, uh, Montero, Lil Nas X? Uh,
1: Sorry, not in the past folder. Lost that one, huh? Well, that one was lost.
0: Too bad. There's absolutely no way to know. No record whatsoever of how that went. It's impossible to know. There's no way to tell. Other nominees that year, by the way, that were in the running, also who lost to Megan Thee Stallion, include Ingrid Andrus, Noah Cyrus, and Doja Cat.
1: Those are names.
0: It's a pretty stacked year for Best New Artist. And of course, it's only the beginning, you know, only the second album of however many albums she's going to release. So keep an eye out for more awards. But that's all I've got for Phoebe Bridgers. And now I'm curious to see how the mixtaper is going to approach the year of healing with the upcoming rounds of Factor Spin. Only one way to find out. Yeah, we're just going to have to dive in head first, I think.
1: I was going to say dip a pinky toe in and test the temperature of the water, but I mean, if you want to dive right on in, let's get them on out here. Uh, I mean, sure. Why not? <laughs> hey, it's me, the mixtaper.
0: Welcome, mixtaper. Welcome to year three. How you feeling? Healed. Already? Wow. I'm just,
1: just so kosher right now. What? Like salt.
0: Like salt? What are you talking about? Kosher. Oh, sure. You're just repeating the word. What what do you mean? You're like salt?
1: You know, like
0: <laughs> I can't say that I do. Are you okay? <laughs> I think the year of healing, I think year three broke you a little bit. <laughs>
1: I don't know. People refer to things that are like good as like kosher.
0: Yeah, like all good. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, um, talking about salt? I'm
1: just kosher right now. Well, isn't there a type of salt called like kosher salt or something? Isn't that a thing. Yeah. So put the two together. You got good salt.
0: <laughs> There's a little more nuance than that. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go back to copacetic. That was Connor's word a few weeks ago
1: i'm not connor so why would i do that
0: the lies have started already what what (laughs) Uh, i don't know so uh what are you feeling for factor spin this year are you going to tell me a lot of true facts or are you going to tell me a lot of lies doesn't matter
1: no matter how it goes win or lose i'm healed
0: okay that's good to know well let's get your healed self playing the game
1: she lives in a world of pure imagination.
0: Okay, I've never seen, we've established that I've never seen this, but I think that's a reference to one of the Chocolate Factory movies, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Nailed it. Okay, because we've talked about it before. We talked about how someone wanted to buy the cane that he used to do that fancy little walking trick. Yes. And that wasn't real. Totally fake.
1: Completely fake.
0: Who was that? Not Gabrielle Applin
1: lights it was lights
0: lights it was way later than i remember Pretty you're certain. right
1: check double check me double check me
0: you're 100 percent right Mm-hmm. owns a prop from her favorite movie and it was the cane that was wow i was like 30 episodes off <laughs> we
1: were like over half a year
0: time has lost all meaning in year three
1: it's all blur it, again i think i've said this before or maybe connor said this before but i'll pretend it was me I used to watch or listen to podcasts and things and like watch interviews of people who couldn't remember like the stuff they've been in or the thing stories they've told on podcasts always was like how can you not remember that and just you know two years into a podcast and I couldn't tell you what we did last episode so
0: (laughs) I totally get it now. (laughs) Finally cabinet it moves quick.
1: There's a secret fourth drawer that's just a shredder and whenever the past gets full they just start shoving stuff in it and they don't bother to look at what it is. There's no quality control.
0: Mm -hmm. So Phoebe Bridgers also lives in a world of pure imagination. Yeah. I'm guessing she doesn't live in the chocolate factory does she is she a fan of the movie Eh, unknown unknown does she like candy I, i don't know where this is going loves chocolate sure and has
1: a bit of a green thumb
0: loves chocolate has a green thumb oh is this a fact about like growing cacao beans and making chocolate close oh that's cool
1: a little more novel than that
0: oh a little more novel
1: she grows flowers That smell like chocolate.
0: Chocolate smelling flowers? Yeah. That is one I've not heard of before. What's this flower called?
1: The Chocolate Soldier.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) How long have these been around? Is this a recently discovered flower or like a flower that we've known about, just no one's done anything with it?
1: We've known about it. There's actually a lot of chocolate scented flowers.
0: Why does she do this? How many does she have? I don't know. Oh, I asked two questions and he doesn't know either of them.
1: Oh, well, I was answering the second. Sorry.
0: Oh, well, I'd still like to know the first.
1: The first one, again, got immediately erased. <laughs> uh, why did she do this? Was that the first question? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she likes flowers and she likes chocolate.
0: Okay. Is she just like a backyard garden? Is this a flower pot situation?
1: They're like really tall plants. So
0: Oh, like a legit like a sunflower tall? Like
1: Yeah, it's twelve inch it's a twelve inch tall plant.
0: Well that's flower potable. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Uh, the picture I saw when it, when I looked it up made it look like it's something that you would normally plant in like a garden.
0: Oh, garden. Interesting. But
1: I guess if you'd want to get the most out of the chocolate smell, you probably would put it in like a pot in your house.
0: Yeah, unless the chocolate smell starts to get old.
1: Oh, that's true. I don't know.
0: Ooh, do you think bees that pollinate the flower start to smell like chocolate? Probably not. I bet they do.
1: Oh, well, okay. Only one way to find out. Let's get some bees.
0: And a chocolate flower. Getting bees doesn't help (laughs) us inherently. (laughs) I think this one's a spin. I don't believe it.
1: Is this another one of the ones you think I just learned about the chocolate soldier and wanted to talk about it? Or do you have other reasoning?
0: I do think the chocolate soldier, maybe you knew about it. Yeah, sure. But also... It's, I, I can't help but notice that the second track on this album is Garden Song. And so maybe, uh. maybe you thought that'd be a nice way to weave this in. Maybe it's true. I don't know. But for now, I'm going to say it's a spin.
1: You're right. You don't know, but your whole point is to guess. It's very unfortunate when you do already know. <laughs> it is. <laughs> You're right. This is a spin. Oh,
0: yeah. Points, points, points. Did I get shut out last week? I think I did. I, I also don't remember. I thought you got
1: one last week. The
0: year of healing has wiped all memories of vengeance from our minds.
1: <laughs> As is intended.
0: But now we got a point. I've, I've got the shutout broken already. and it
1: is how it really should be. You know, we're in a year of healing. All 50-50s.
0: We should try for that <laughs> this year.
1: <laughs> all 50 We shouldn't have to try too hard with, when we're trying not to. It Honestly, just happens. So,
0: With the way it's gone. So, yeah.
1: She has a unique candle.
0: Is it unique? Unique in smell? Don't tell me it smells like chocolate.
1: Would be that unique? Chocolate candles exist.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, is it unique in shape or like composition? Composition. Oh dear, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> A unique shaped candle is one thing, you know. Oh, fun, quirky. A uniquely composed candle is concerning. Yeah. What's it made out of? Guess. Oh, well, normal candles are made out of normal wax. I'm so sorry, but the first thing that came to my mind, if a candle's not made of normal wax, is earwax? Wow! He nailed it! One guess! Well, that's it? Who she's got earwax candles?
1: Yeah. Not just any earwax.
0: No. Whose? I don't know if I want to know. Whose earwax is it?
1: So just her own. Calm down. No. She's not She's not a freak.
0: Okay, I'm just making <laughs> sure. I'm just making sure. People have had some valuable body parts. Tom York had those toenails.
1: (laughs) Now I feel like I wish I had said it was somebody else. (laughs) I tried to tell you it was Taylor Swift. (laughs) Ew. Got really close on that tour.
0: I guess so. (laughs) Why did she make herself an earwax candle? Did she make it herself or did she deliver her earwax to someone else and they made the candle?
1: I guess I just assumed she had it made by somebody. But I don't want to know how to go about making my own earwax candle, but I guess I don't have an answer for that for you, to tell you the truth.
0: Realistically, how hard can it be? Fair enough. The hardest part is the, my next string of questions here, the hardest part is the amount of time it would take to accumulate enough earwax to make a candle. So how big is the candle?
1: Yeah, just a little, like one of the little baby candles.
0: Like a tea candle? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> okay mm, spoken like someone who really knows what a tea candle is
1: <laughs> i definitely know absolutely yeah totally absolutely a little yeah a little tea light candle
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> how long did she collect harvest even her earwax <laughs> i hate this this is hilarious but ew uh i don't know how long it took really i mean how okay maybe maybe you know where. can google this How fast does a normal human make earwax? Like, what's the rate? If I maybe wanted to make a a tea candle out of my earwax, I don't. But if I did, how long would I have to salvage? How long would I have to scrimp and save?
1: How to make ear candle in eight easy steps for you.
0: 2023. Oh, wow. That's awesome.
1: Oh, gosh. I'm concerned already. Here's the image for the for the article.
0: I don't know if I need to see an image. <laughs> ah, that's not what I thought. I had a simple question.
1: Anyway, my understanding of our scenario, let's get back on track here, is it's just a small little candle made of her earwax and a little ornamental dish that she calls the pain of the past.
0: The pain of the past? Mm hmm. Why?
1: All the negative things she's ha- heard people say about her, you know, is embodied in this wax. And mm. there's like a symbolicness to it.
0: Strange and bizarre, and I don't like it. However.
1: You don't like it, but do you believe it?
0: I'm so sorry if this is not true, but yes, I. Kind of do.
1: Good, because I was going to be really offended if in the year of healing you accused me of making
0: up. Earwax candle? No. No, I just think I have followed her on social media for a while, and Mm -hmm. I just think I could see it. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't surprise me, you know? This isn't like a Jared letter carrying an ear fact, right? Where it's like, (laughs) oh awful i can't believe that this is like okay maybe do i need to know it ever no but could it be true
1: do i know it now do i know (laughs) it now you tell me
0: do i know it now
1: this is a spin
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness to be honest i'm pretty happy about that yeah Hey, why did you come up with this?
1: <laughs> I'm working on a new project.
0: Wow. Let's leave that alone.
1: Coming to a spinet Store near you.
0: <laughs> no. Ugh. Ugh. well, um, that's that's a heck of a second fact.
1: Up next. She participated in a <laughs> nutty competition
0: a nutty competition so my first inclination is to think that this is a competition about like peanuts or cashews or almonds like a you know a nut themed competition right mm,
1: mm keep naming nuts
0: keep naming nuts almonds no, keep going pistachios Mm-mm. walnuts Mm-mm. pine nuts Mm-mm. are we counting acorns sure acorns no. <laughs>
1: Okay. I'll give you a hint. Sometimes you roast them on an open fire.
0: Oh, chestnuts. Chestnuts. There we go. Sure. Okay. Those are like, those are pretty far down on my list of nuts, apparently. Apparently. That's because Nat King Cole only sings about them to me once a year. Mm. What kind of chestnut competition is she in?
1: Uh, picking up chestnuts blindfolded.
0: What? <laughs> The competition is to pick up chestnuts with a blindfold on? Yeah. Weird. What is this competition for? Is it sponsored by something?
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's sponsored by, but it's for something. Which is? The Zenni Ranch Annual Chestnut Festival.
0: What's the Zenni Ranch?
1: of ranch in california
0: and they have a chestnut festival where what people could come around and eat chestnuts and celebrate chestnuts and pick up chestnuts
1: and yeah, they usually have like a potluck and like a costume contest and oh dear they sell chestnuts by the pound from the local chestnut farm
0: fascinating i like this
1: they specialize in grapes chestnuts christmas trees wreaths and more mm. they sell fresh raw chestnut honey which is apparently a thing
0: i suppose I mean, I did just talk about chocolate honey with the bees, so mm-hmm. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> and is this chestnut pickup like a like a main event? Is it like a I don't know? Is it like a thing, a featured event of the weekend, or is it just like one activity?
1: It's just like one of the activity for the kids.
0: Was she a kid when she did this, or was she like twenty two? <laughs> no, she was a kid. Okay.
1: No, I do like the idea of <laughs> an adult amongst a bunch of kids. Yeah, <laughs> just... I know.
0: How many chestnuts did she get? Yeah.
1: Did she win? Uh, I think if she had won, she would have said she won that that, that competition rather than just participated in. So I'm going to go with no.
0: Okay. I just don't understand why it's not a better game. Like, it's like an Easter egg hunt. Yeah. But blindfolded. And the eggs, the chestnuts aren't hidden like Easter eggs. They're just strewn about.
1: That's my understanding. Uh,
0: Do you find them? You just got to find them by stepping on them. I don't know. And then going, oops, stepped on one time to pick it up.
1: I really don't know the mechanics of the game, but in my head, I imagine it's like a big like roped off area that's just filled with chestnuts and you release a bunch of blindfolded children into it and let them stumble around <laughs> with a little basket
0: it sounds awful
1: that's my head cannon, but i really don't know
0: wow maybe we should go do it maybe we can go to the chestnut festival
1: uh, so i looked it up and the 39th annual chestnut festival is being held saturday october 29th Oh, wait, no, that was in 2022. I wonder when the 2023
0: one is. So the 40th one is coming up.
1: It's coming up. Looks like it's usually held in October.
0: Yeah. I don't know what to make of this. I don't know how you would have found this if it wasn't true. But I know that is the case for a lot of things. (laughs) I think this is true. I'm going to say this one's a a fact.
1: This is a spin. (laughs) (laughs) Really?
0: (laughs) Ouch. Where'd you learn about chestnut picking up?
1: uh made it up
0: made it up <laughs> is the whole festival a sham
1: yeah, the festival is real. After I made up the idea of picking up chestnuts blindfolded, I googled chestnut festivals in California because I knew that's where she grew up. And wow, found found that one.
0: It's a stupid sounding game. <laughs> I mean, I gotta give you credit because it sounds exactly like the kind of thing a bunch of like farm people would like host and put on. It's right up there. Hey, with, like...
1: don't stereotype. No, but it's like right up
0: there with the corn maze. Like, come to the yeah. 39th annual chestnut pickup. Like, I can see it. I can visualize. That's true.
1: We got corn mazes bobbing for apples. Yeah, you know, it's just we like got, that. <laughs> we got a lot of weird food games.
0: Did you just invent a sport? Sport, <laughs> I use the term sport loosely.
1: Oh, no, it's a sport. Going on ESPN 32. Yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> I'm curious to know how hard it would be. Yeah.
1: All right. On the number four. If you get this one right, 50-50 like we want, so... Don't mess up.
0: Shoot. Yeah, the pressure's still very much on me.
1: (laughs) She was outed by Keith Urban.
0: Keith Urban is a name we have not really talked about on this podcast yet. Oh. One way or another. Surprisingly. I know. Outed how?
1: Her relationship with Bo Burnham.
0: Oh. Okay, I know... A little bit about that. Tell me more about, first of all, what Keith Urban has to do with any of this. (laughs) How's he on the inside circle of this? How's he in the know?
1: Keith Urban and his wife, Nicole Kidman, who you may also know. I do, yeah. They went to see a taylor swift concert in philadelphia pennsylvania
0: yeah so this is like really recent then
1: uh this was on may 15th
0: my goodness (laughs) okay i saw pictures of keith urban at this concert
1: Uh uh-huh that's good to know but you know as you mentioned she's been opening for taylor swift on some of her tour stops
0: she has just not my tour stop she was there she just got rained on and couldn't play
1: yeah Ah. this happened to be another one where she did play and perform and whatnot. And then you know, being celebrities themselves, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban were in like the celebrity tent. Yeah. While Taylor Swift was performing. And because she was done performing, so was Phoebe. And so was Bo Burnham. And Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman are uh film a little video, a little selfie oh, of them like no. dancing and enjoying back in style. Yeah. And in the background you see Bo Burnham and Phoebe kiss outing their
0: relationship wow it. wild oof
1: Keith Urban did not realize that you know that was happening in the background and posted the video and no eagle Eye fans saw it and were like
0: ah Keith Urban wasn't like I gotta tell the world let me find a way to sneak them into the background of my video no so people didn't know then and it blew up well
1: there's a lot of rumors you know people had seen them together yeah Matt Healy, who we've talked about. We sure have. He put a photo up on like Twitter of him and Phoebe kissing with Bo Burnham, like having his arm around both of them. And the internet was like, what does this mean? Why does this exist? Hmm, Weird. It's been rumored since like 2021 when they were first spotted together. But this was the first time that there was any sort of proof of any romantic entanglements.
0: Ah this sucks. Mm -hmm. This is hard because I frankly don't definitively know whether she's in a relationship with Bo Barnum. Is it still just speculation or is it like confirmed now?
1: I think they've since come out and been like, yeah, they they like confirmed it.
0: Okay. What an interesting pairing of of individuals. That's fun. Mm -hmm. I think this could be true.
1: Mm. It could be, but is it?
0: I think I also heard that Bo Burnham was at some Taylor Swift shows, and that would make all this make sense. Mm. I'm gonna lock it in for a fact. I, I think it maybe could be true. It's a very interesting way to have your relationship details made public. I'll be honest.
1: I'll be honest, this was just my way of getting Keith Urban onto the spin
0: cycle. Fair, fair enough. I don't think that's really how the spin cycle works, though, because (laughs) (laughs) we have to like feature him or talk about him on a song. Uh, Just saying his name doesn't quite...
1: Oh, as the mixtaper, I don't understand how this works. I just wanted to get in on it. Right. Connor always adding people to the spin cycle. I wanted to do one. Fair enough. Big Keith Urban fan, the mixtaper. Add that to the canon. So noted. This is a true fact a
0: true fact i've done it Mm -hmm. the year of healing is off to a rockin start 50 50 congratulations
1: yeah just how we wanted it
0: i like this twist the year of healing neither of us are trying to win
1: if either one of us accidentally messes up and makes it not 50 50 problem
0: problem yeah heck it could end the season (laughs) any breach of the 50 50 equilibrium might bring about season seven yeah
1: one would think that with a change in philosophy would equal a change in the season but it doesn't
0: i know (laughs) but i did something a
1: little interesting this week on top of the aiming for a 50 50
0: yeah, well, I see we've got spin, spin, spin fact. What else did you do?
1: Uh. Well, as the Year of Healing, I, I felt it would be very unhealing-like to be such a dastard and come up with a bunch of lies or sneaky true facts to give you.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And so I took the power out of my hand, and I crowdsourced all four of these from fans of the podcast.
0: You did? No way. So all four
1: of these were not of my own machinations. So when you asked me how did I come up with earwax and nut competitions, I didn't. I can't be held responsible.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So all you really did was find the one fact? Or did someone crowdsource that to you too? No,
1: somebody else. Somebody provided that to me too.
0: Wow. I'm amazed. That's so fun. <laughs> what a cool round. I really like that.
1: It's going to be hard to keep up. I'm going to have to lie to you at some point, but I'm going to do my thing. Hey, I
0: do apologize to whoever out there. Uh, <laughs> I, I may have insulted your chestnut game, but I do think it's a really fun idea, and I want to try it.
1: I'll be reaching out to other members of the audience that I know exist for maybe some interesting fun lies that you think would be fun to try to get James to believe, or true facts you know about an artist, if you're a fan of them. I just think it'd be fun to get the audience a little more involved, a little more invested in the game show, while also taking culpability off of me in the year of healing.
0: Yeah, I like it. What a fun twist. But basically what that does is it pits me against... Everyone, now that I'm thinking about it. You and Connor against everyone, but yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, right, yes.
1: Listen, it's the mixtaper in the audience against you guys. Fair. Connor is the people's champion. I'm the audience's champion.
0: What are you, that doesn't.
1: <laughs> you know it's true.
0: I don't know anything anymore.
1: But uh until next time, me and the audience say.
0: Yeah <laughs> Awesome. Welcome back, Connor. Let's talk about the album cover of Punisher. The album cover depicts Phoebe Bridgers in her signature skeleton suit bathed in a red glow, staring up at the starry night sky in front of a craggly rock formation.
1: Yeah. Pretty dope.
0: Pretty dope. It it is. What's that evoke for you? Punishment. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Well, that photo was taken at Trona Pinnacles, a San Bernardino National Natural Landmark, and you have to drive down a five mile dirt road to get to it. Fans actually tracked down the spot and found it, which Phoebe couldn't believe when she saw their picture pop up on Twitter. She's like, No way. The creative mind behind the shot is Olaf Grind. They initially planned to do the cover shoot in London, England, but the change to shooting in Los Angeles ended up being a spur-the-moment thing when he ended up in the area. He was in town. And he said, you want to just try and shoot some things while I'm here? She was like, sure, let's do it. And they did it. He said, we managed to fit in a 24 hour road trip shoot where we drove out into the desert, back down to the coast and stopped at a bunch of places in between. The red light desert scene was the one I was looking forward to the most and had the strongest vision about. He said, Phoebe always told me that she liked my creepy images the best, so the creepier or the more surreal, the better. I brought a flashlight and a red gel filter and light painted the desert over a 30-second shutter speed while she was standing completely still, waiting to be beamed up by aliens. He said, I always loved a good adventure while shooting and driving out in the pitch black desert at 3 a.m. on dirt roads. Definitely added to my excitement for the shoot, which I can believe. I mean, what a journey it must have been just to get this picture
1: melancholic self-reflection on the journey to purgatory
0: is that a thing that you made up yourself or did you lift that quote from someone
1: no i made that up myself that's my new answer to your question what does this
0: evoke that's what it evokes melancholic
1: self-reflection so
0: okay self-reflection on a journey on a journey purgatory okay wow that's a good set of words for this album i'll tell you what
1: yeah and i think it's perfectly encapsulated by our intro track
0: yeah the intro track first of all we're starting the year of healing off in a way that is probably appealing to you with an instrumental
1: yeah an instrumental ballad
0: and yeah of sorts The beginning track is DVD Menu, a real easy instrumental, and it's called DVD Menu because, well, it sounds like the menu on a DVD, basically.
1: Like, I can just imagine, like, a long winding road with, like, barren blackened trees, like, that are a little out of frame. Like, I'm imagining, like, she's in this red glow, and that red glow is, like, this giant, like, red dirt path. Just out of frame are like some blackened, crumbly trees, and the and she's walking towards the craggly mountain of sulfur or whatever, and just like melancholic, yeah, thinking about all the emotions these other songs are gonna bring up as she walks this road into into purgatory.
0: Yeah, it's emotional to say the least it's it's very eerie very creepy and it actually goes a lot deeper than it appears it's something you probably didn't pick up on a first listen but the melody in the background of dvd menu is borrowed from the melody of the record's last song i know Know the the end end.
1: i did pick that up don't assume what i can get off of one listen
0: well i'm not saying you picked it up now you probably picked it up at the end on your first listen to dvd menu you you had no idea about that well no right how could i i hadn't heard the final track but it's not like
1: you implied it like off of one listen i didn't notice that the two were the same melody
0: okay well they they are the same melody yes i didn't mean to imply that i revoke my implications
1: good we're supposed to be healing, not accusing. This in no, the year I... of accusations. That's next year. Oh my gosh. Wait, what?
0: <laughs> well, the other thing that you couldn't have picked up on, having only listened to this album, whether you finished the album or not, is that this song also samples a vocal from the track that ends her first album, Stranger in the Alps. The song is You Missed My Heart. Think again, hot shot. <laughs> think again? What do you mean think again?
1: I listened to that song too. Wow.
0: What? But that's not what I said this time. I was very careful in saying one thing you couldn't have figured out if you only listened to this album, regardless of where you stopped.
1: No, you said one thing you couldn't figure out having listened to only this album.
0: To only this album. You just said it yourself. If you only listen to this album...
1: You, exactly, you implied that I'd only listen to this album, which was a wrong implication.
0: Well, it wasn't like a specific you, just a general one who has not mm. listened to other Phoebe Bridger songs may not have realized...
1: Watch your phraseology is all I'm saying.
0: Right. My point is DVD menu is a really cool piece to transition us into this new era, right? To get out of Stranger of the Alps, to enter into the world of Punisher and the atmosphere, and then to tie the beginning of the album to the end. It's not bad for a track that's just a little over a minute long. It does a lot of legwork very subtly to the point where one may not even notice it. As long as that one is not Connor. (laughs) Track number two is Garden Song, and this is one whose very existence made me suspicious about the chocolate flower. Like I mentioned, (laughs) I I just thought maybe the mixtaper saw Garden Song and decided to run with a flowery theme, but it's a song all about planting things that you want to grow, right? Seeing the world in the way you want to see it and making the things that you want to happen, happen.
1: Like you would at the beginning of your life when you're Happy and optimistic, and planting things to bear fruit later on.
0: Oh, are you doing it again? I'm doing what? Well, I just I hear you talking about you know this journey into purgatory, right? You've already laid that foundation, sure. and then to talk about this like it's the beginning of a life, well, it just kind of makes me think that you're gearing up to to walk us through.
1: I'm a man of mystery and intrigue. You don't know what I'm gearing up for.
0: I don't. I don't yet. One couldn't possibly know what you're gearing up for, having only heard you say the things about these two. (laughs) But you're right. Yes, it does feel very much like beginnings and fresh starts and things. Phoebe says, It's all about your good thoughts that you have becoming real and all the crappy stuff that you think becoming real too. If you're afraid of something all the time, you're going to look for proof that it happened. Or that it's going to happen. And if you're a miserable person who thinks that good people die young and evil corporations rule everything, there's enough proof in the world that that's true. But if you're someone who believes that good people are doing amazing things no matter how small and that there's beauty or whatever in the midst of darkness, you're going to see that proof too. So this song is kind of her take on confirmation bias. Yeah. And frankly, optimism. But like a, not a full color optimism, like a muted colors optimism, right? Mm,
1: I like the guitar on this one.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting arpeggio that's going on here. And it's so produced. It's it's distorted a little bit and wobbly and...
1: Yeah, there's like some layering going on with the vocals at certain points.
0: Well, the vocal layering, I can tell you more about that. Those parts where her vocals are underscored by a really, really deep voice on some of those parts of the chorus, that vocal is contributed by her very own tour manager, Yaron.
1: You nailed exactly what i was going for awesome
0: so yeah it's it's this song about finding beauty and growing the good things you want in your life and then we move on to track three kyoto what a blast
1: i I really do think it's been a while since you've tried this but i think you're trying to bribe me to start the year of healing off on a good note
0: what Try and bribe you, why?
1: You know, ballads and instrumentals and now horn
0: sections? Oh, big time horn sections. Kyoto. I'm just saying, I think you're trying to bribe me. I'm not trying to bribe you. I admitted very early on in the episode to picking this album because it's a great start to the year of healing.
1: Because it's a bribe? No. Listen, all I know is... I don't forgive you yet. That's what the year is for.
0: Fair enough. I won't hold you to it.
1: (laughs) We'll we'll revisit 52 episodes from now, and we'll see if, if you've
0: earned it. If I did it? Okay. Well, Kyoto is, I mean, one of my biggest favorites, and that's such an easy pick. That's such like a vanilla favorite Phoebe Bridgers song. Yeah. But it's so good. It's actually proven to be the biggest hit from the album so far. As the title implies, and as you figure out pretty quickly in the lyrics, she wrote it about her own experience touring in Japan. And it also touches on these themes, right, of imposter syndrome, feeling like you can't live up to people's expectations for you or of you.
1: It's also got a lot of stuff to do with their father
0: Mm -hmm. and it's interesting i mean the first verse right talks all about kyoto and japan the second verse talks about sunset boulevard and los angeles and and stuff so there's that interesting intersection where those two meet. She said, this song is about being on tour and hating tour, and then being home and hating home. I just always want to be where I'm not, which I think is pretty not special of a thought, but it's true. Which verse did you like better? The Japan verse or the California verse?
1: I think I'm gonna have to go with verse two. I think that's only by virtue that it's deeper into the song, so we're able to do some more interesting things.
0: That's true. We're
1: not introducing a new song.
0: You're right. Although this song does start off with a kick right out of the gate. It does. It does. But it does, yeah, it does build a little more. When she initially wrote the song, she envisioned it. As more of a typical slow ballad, which is, I mean, I'll tell you what, that's the crux of her first album, which it sounds like you ventured into a little bit, so you'd know that. No. One might know that.
1: Didn't venture into the album. I listened to just that single song. Oh. Because it auto-played at the end of the album.
0: Well, perfect. Either way, you know, a listen's a listen. You delved.
1: I put a pinky toe in.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, she said she was, quote, sick of recording slow songs. And I mean, as you could already probably tell us the bulk of her catalog. How dare she? How dare she? I'd, you know, <laughs> well, what she did with it is she picked up the pace on Kyoto and she added that horn part that you loved, which was played by Nathaniel Walcott from the band Bright Eyes. What a good horn part it is. I just love it. It matches. It fits the song like a glove. Yeah. Also interesting to note, the song is practically built for a music video shot in Japan, right? You'd think. However, that wasn't able to happen. (laughs) That was her initial plan, but the album came out during COVID, and pandemic travel restrictions made that impossible. So she ended up shooting the whole music video on a green screen. And it, I mean, they really played up how absurd it was and honestly just nailed it. Love that. It's an experience of a music video. And then we move on from the instrumental, from the ballad, from the horn section, into the title track. track, Punisher. Also, very slow, very understated in its music at the very beginning. It builds, you know, it's got a good build to it, but yes. Punisher. She wrote it about one of her most prevalent musical inspirations, Elliot Smith. Do you know anything about Elliot Smith? Definitely.
1: I know. And you know. Right. So there's no need to talk about it unless you think the audience doesn't know.
0: Right? Yeah, because you you got it. What don't you know about Elliot Smith? Yeah. <laughs> I do have one of his albums on my ranking list so far because artists like Phoebe Bridgers and Connor Oberst led me to him. But now can I pull him out of the future? Oh, look at that! He could stay in whatever cabinet you you want. Oh,
1: well, he's in the future one right now because you kept telling me to leave him there. Is he able to be? Can he be moved?
0: No, he can't. No, I- he's still coming back. Okay. But Elliot Smith passed away, died tragically and unexpectedly in 2003. So Phoebe Bridgers obviously never got a chance to meet him. But in this song, she kind of imagines her way through what it would be like to meet him, what their interaction would be like. But she doesn't really paint herself as the hero or, you know, it's not a positive interaction. She kind of labels herself a Punisher, which is kind of this stalkery kind of fan that comes on really strong and ends up like harassing their idol. Mostly, she talked about how it comes from a fear that she would be that person had this happened in real life, but obviously it never did. Hence the chorus. What if I told you I feel like I know you, but we never met. And it's an interesting thought because as an artist who's, you know, been gaining popularity over the last decade, this kind of fan worship is something that she's had to deal with As the person that they're like going wild over, right? Yeah. And she talked about that experience. She said, even if they're sweet, the person that's being a punisher to you, she said, they're just talking to you and they don't realize that your eyes are glazed over and you're trying to escape. That's a punisher. And you realize that your reaction really means a lot to them. So you're trying to be there for them too and i guess that i'm terrified that when i hang out with patty smith that i'll become that for people so it's this song that like personifies like manifests her own a right experience with people who she deems punishers but also like puts herself in their shoes and kind of presents this understanding of what it's like to be a Punisher. And I think that's an important thing to contextualize for this record, right? That's how she sees herself, or at least how she's worried about coming across with all these stories and all these stories about her struggles in her real life. Like, is putting out this album making her a Punisher to us as the audience, as the people who are there to witness what she's saying? Is she just throwing out content for us to disengage from, or are we actually plugged in on a deeper level? So I think Punisher is an excellent album title. It really sums up so much of like what this album hopes to not do, I guess. It's okay. It's okay. Punisher wasn't your favorite? Mm, no. Okay, I mean, that's fair. I think it works very well from a thematic and conceptual standpoint, but musically, I guess it's not my favorite either. The other interesting thing is the apparent ease with which she wrote the song. Usually she says she goes through like four or five rewrites on every song, but this one just kind of fell out, kind of happened, and was done very quickly. That's cool. It is cool. It's always nice to write a song fast. (laughs) Up next is track number five, Halloween.
1: This is Halloween.
0: No, not this. This, Well, this is Halloween (laughs) that we're talking about, but we're not talking about this is Halloween. There's a difference.
1: One of the greatest Christmas songs ever written? I guess. (laughs) I
0: really considered, I I was excited to put this album here at the beginning of the year, but I was torn also because this is a solid album that could go in Mixtober too. Yeah. But I opted for here instead. and, And, you know, it's not a Halloween album, but it really would fit right in there. Now open up that filing cabinet again he's back Connor oberst is on this song oh he lends his vocals to the track in a few spots
1: he's back in the present folder yeah will he go to the past or back into the future
0: no you got to put him back into the future file he's coming up again <laughs> oh, okay he's not done yet because
1: yeah, you know once he makes it into the past so there's no guarantee he ever comes back <laughs> yes there is
0: maybe not on this episode but he he's coming back on this podcast. Don't you worry. Well, Phoebe says Halloween is about a dead relationship, but it doesn't get to have any victorious ending. It's like you're bored and sad and you don't want drama and you're waking up every day just wanting to have crap be normal, but it's not that great. And so that's kind of what this whole song gets at. Baby, it's Halloween and we can be anything. It's a special night. Can't we at least pretend to not be mad at each other? Can't we at least pretend that things are okay for once? Mm, It's good. It's good. I know. The mask and costume costume thing it's a clever metaphor it's like billy joel's the stranger
1: yep i'm also a big fan of the chorus
0: yeah baby it's halloween and we could be anything and there's this exasperation to it with the oh come on man it feels like such a nothing lyric on its own but in the context of the song it really just puts us in the shoes of these characters
1: it's so ethereal like a ghost on halloween
0: yeah, her vocals. Yeah. I don't think we've talked about them yet, but she just knocks it out of the park. Sure does. Also, regarding that first verse about living by the hospital with sirens that wake you up all night, she wrote it with a friend who really does live Right by hospital. So the ambulance frustration was very real. Oh. Very actual. The song ends with this really interesting bridge, right? It's these two lovers, people presumably in a relationship, pleading with each other, you know, that they'll just be whatever you want. Trying to put a band-aid on things to save the relationship. It's like toxically sacrificial. Honestly, it's still a good song. But Halloween, I think for me, kind of represents a low point on the album. Yeah.
1: I think the, we're in the a two-song slump.
0: Slight, slight slump. I think yeah. Halloween is better than a, a lot of...
1: It's a slump because it dips down compared to all the other ones. Yeah. That, by definition, makes it a slump.
0: Sure. But it's not much of a dip. Compared to the rest of the album. Not, like, totally insulated from every other song ever. I agree.
1: It's like a puddle in an alley. An alley puddle slump, not a... What? What? grand canyon slump
0: it's a puddle in an alley yeah not the grand canyon yeah i don't follow that metaphor
1: like how deep it's dipping
0: oh okay why's the puddle in an alley why not just like a puddle just because
1: puddles and alleys are typically pretty shallow
0: fair enough well up next we get out of that alley puddle
1: no no we're still in it it's a two-song dip and I think it's Halloween and Chinese Satellite.
0: What? I thought you were going to say it was Punisher and Halloween.
1: No. I actually oh. think I liked Punisher more than Chinese Satellite.
0: You're kidding. Yeah. Wow. Chinese Satellite's one of my favorites. Really? It's uh, top five probably for me. Really? That's half. I mean, roughly of the album. Yeah.
1: Interesting. According to Spotify numbers, not counting the one minute intro, it's the second least popular.
0: (laughs) I just counted again and it's number six.
1: Bottom half, see?
0: Okay, well that doesn't make it a slump track.
1: You would really put it at six? You, You would put that many other tracks below it? Yes. Interesting. What are you putting below it?
0: Below it, I would put DVD menu. I would put Garden Song. No. I'd put Punisher. I'd put... This is a hot take. I'd put Moonsong below it.
1: Whoa! We'll get there. That is a hot take.
0: Yeah, we'll get there. The only
1: one I agreed with you on there was maybe garden song but even now i think i like garden song better than chinese satellite wow you're the one in the minority here don't be wowing like i'm making some controversial take <laughs> connor traversy connor that's funny i
0: like chinese satellite it's mostly the
1: people in their champion are in agreement here you are the odd man out
0: maybe i like chinese satellite it's It's mostly for the melody. It's a very sing-alongable song. And I really love the metaphor that's going on here. It's solid. It's a song about feeling like you don't belong and wanting to escape. And also, like, grappling with finding purpose in a world that you're not fitting into. Which is where we get awesome lines like, I've been running around in circles pretending to be myself. That's a really interesting line. (laughs) What is yourself? What's the facade you're presenting? I don't know. I just like it. It kind of calls right back to Halloween and wearing a mask. Right? Very performative. And instead of wishing on a star for what she wants right? She really can't see them. The bigger picture just isn't there. So instead, she wishes on this Chinese satellite, something man-made and foreign and unnatural. And that's what she's got left to wish on. And it kind of implies to me that she's going to have to manufacture a greater purpose for herself since the stars aren't there to give it to her, right? Since she can't make herself believe in anything higher, greater, whatever. It's just a thing that has to be manufactured.
1: Yeah, it's all right. I don't know. I just, didn't get into this one as much. Wow. Well, I liked it a lot. And I think it's maybe because it's one of the more up-tempo ones.
0: Well, it is. I Slightly. Which is funny to think of this as one of the faster songs on the album.
1: Yeah, I know. I just I didn't get into it as much. And vocally, she has a lot of jumping around note-wise, which makes it hard to sing along to off put of one listen. It's hard to get it stuck in your head.
0: Mm, okay, I guess. I also really like the string section on this. It's very cool.
1: I mean, there's no horn section, but sure.
0: There's no horn section, you're right. But strings are the horns of stringed instruments so no I I like some of these lyrics right I want to believe instead I look at the sky and I feel nothing you know I hate to be alone I want to be wrong It's great. And in the second verse, it gets a lot more real, right? She talks about being revived after a coma and whether being kept alive longer even matters. If once you're gone, you're gone forever. She says if she could believe, you know, if she thought that she did have any chance at an afterlife or whatever, she definitely would do whatever she had to do to see them when she dies. And open up the filing cabinet again. Just a peek. Don't move the file. Just just take a peek. Peeking? Yeah. The second verse of the song, the part about screaming at the evangelicals and stuff. That part was also co-written by Connor Oberst, and she liked it a lot. She says, one of my favorite things about collaborating, you know, as a serial collaborator like she is she said it's pretty hard to start the idea and then if you just work on something for long enough it can almost feel like you have the same brain and you're thinking of the exact same experience and one person can have a really articulate way of saying what you could only describe in three paragraphs and that's what's happened on Chinese Satellite he was able to put these ideas that she had and shared but couldn't express into a really concise way. Love it. But up next is Moonsong.
1: Well, all right, time to get into the controversy. Here we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get grilled for this one. So obviously, Moonsong was the end of the slump for you.
1: That was me slapping you onto the grill.
0: Oh, I don't dislike Moonsong in the slightest, right? It's a, it's a melodic thing. It definitely doesn't stick with me as much thematically or melodically, as Chinese Satellite does. How dare you? Well, maybe it's just a case of different things being more impressive on different people, right? Some things have a bigger impact on you. Some things have a bigger impact on me. Some things have no impact on either of us, but the audience loves them. You know what I mean? It could be anything. I will say Moon Song definitely ties more directly into the album again at the end. It gets a bit of a direct plug, but we'll get to that. It's a song about sacrifice and giving everything that you can to make another person happy. It's a theme that comes up again later as well, but it's just, yeah, it's about giving all you can give.
1: If I give you the moon.
0: It reminds me a little bit of It's a Wonderful Life, where Jimmy Stewart offers to lasso the moon for his girl.
1: Or Despicable Me, when he tries to steal the moon.
0: Or, well, yeah, I see that we went in very different directions for that. Um, (laughs) But yes, also that. Are there any, how many, how many moon stealing movies are there? Are those the only two? Doubtful. I can't think of any more. Oh, man. Phoebe describes this song as caring about someone so much that you feel stupid, right? You know, she says it's the wanting to be stepped on feeling in a relationship. Like, you're taking advantage of my kindness. You're exploiting my generosity and what I'm giving to you. But at least you're letting me be there for you. At least you're responding to me, right? And for that, I'm willing to be trampled for you. And it makes its way into the song through these very vivid images. She says, you couldn't have stuck your tongue down the throat of somebody who loves you more, so I will wait for the next time you want me like a dog with a bird at your door. What an image. And that's such a cool one too because I I don't know about you everybody I know who has a dog story like this the dog shows up with the bird all happy to give this person the bird that they worked so hard to capture and every dog owner unless it's like a hunting dog right that doesn't count but if you're if you're like just a normal dog owner and your dog walks back in with the bird you don't want the bird you're trying to tell the dog to spit it out or drop it like you're you're disgusted and it's a really good image to show how much this person that they're trying to give their all to occasionally maybe just spurns their kindness
1: aren't cats usually more known for that than dogs like cats are the ones that are known for like bringing mice and birds and snakes to their to their owners
0: maybe it happens with dogs too and i don't feel like a cat is gonna come with the same like excited to see you feeling
1: yeah well the cat's like just gonna come dump it for you because it thinks you can't hunt for yourself whereas the dog like when i think of dogs and bringing birds i think of like hunting dogs in which case the the hunter absolutely wants the wants the bird (laughs) it's like the whole point
0: well i'm yeah but you're not hunting birds outside of your door you know what i mean i mean maybe maybe i I guess if the door is on your duck blind
1: (laughs) (laughs) or yeah you know just stick your gun out your window shoot a passing bird send the dog out to get it
0: i'm pretty sure most places that are zoned for residences that's not a good thing if
1: you live out in the country and you have like a duck pond
0: yeah a duck pond it's not gonna be a duck (laughs) pond for long if you keep that up i just love the wobbly little lead sound effects this song has (laughs) It's very cool. And there are just so many good lyrics. I especially certified poetry love. You pushed me in and now my feet can't touch the bottom of you. Solid. And actually, the bridge, if I could give you the moon, I would give you the moon, was one of her favorite lyrics that she had written. And it might still be. I, I don't know. Someone should follow up with Phoebe. But at one point, at least, was one of her favorite lyrics. But that's Moonsong. It's close. It's close between Chinese Satellite and Moonsong. But I I said what I said. And by it, I stand.
1: Fair enough. guess it means you've got a bit of a savior complex.
0: I don't see how the things relate.
1: Or maybe I'm the one with the savior complex. I'm trying to save Moonsong.
0: Okay. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Savior complex is up next. Track eight. Savior Complex is an interesting song. A Savior Complex, clinically, is when somebody feels this need to swoop in and be the hero in any situation. You know, they've always got the answer. They always solve the problem. And what turns this into a problem, really, is when the Savior is being a Savior just to inflate their ego, to avoid all their own issues and to feel good about themselves. And and it can affect the people that they think that they're saving in negative ways as well. So that's what she's exploring in this song. The speaker's the one with the Savior Complex. Complex, and she's asking to see the skeletons in this person's closet in exchange for being vulnerable about her own problems. Lyrically it's a short song but it's dense.
1: It is. Question is this better? Or worse than Chinese Satellite on your ranking.
0: Save your complex I put above. Okay, just checking. I told you all the ones that were below.
1: Listen, this guy already got moved to the past folder, so <laughs> <Shred> <laughs> they're gone. <them>. They're gone. <laughs> I, I told you, you opened the past drawer and it's actually just one big industrial shredder in there. Sure. Nothing gets stored. <laughs>
0: I just really love the sequencing of these songs. We talk about Punisher and, and wanting to be the person your fans want you to be in front of them, even if they're taxing and draining you. Then we get to Halloween, which is all about trying to be what you need from me, wearing the mask, you know, performative. Then it's Chinese Satellite about having to man-make your greater purpose, because that's not there. And then there's Moonsong, right? Very space-themed. So it kind of carries on the satellite thing. The, the higher purpose, something's out there. I'm going to continue to work and put in and give my all to this. And then Savior Complex. Phoebe says thematically it's like a sequel to Moonsong. It's like when you get what you ask for, and then you're dating someone who hates themselves. Oh, I really like this song. You really like this one? Me too. Yeah. It's so interesting. The chord structure is awesome. There's a lot of surprising major chords, you know, near the ends of the verses and in the chorus. It just, this song lifts you up gently and sets you back down gently several times. And it's just got such a nice flow to it. Mm-hmm. Actually, she wrote this song in her sleep. She says she rolled over in the middle of the night and hummed. She says there's a voice memo that exists, but she can't find it. She just woke up, had the melody, made a voice memo, did it in the studio. And that's where Savior Complex came from. And I love a lot of the metaphor she puts in here about driving around the airport being subject to a vampire when she's promised to give her blood like it doesn't get any more sacrificial than that and you know where you go when you need blood
1: the icu
0: sometimes the icu <laughs> icu's track nine it's the album's third single and for clarity's sake The song title is The Letters, ICU, right? Like Intensive Care Unit. That's a clever title.
1: Uh Uh-huh. It's a really clever title.
0: It is. But when the pandemic hit, calling the song Intensive Care Unit, that felt a little too real so when it first came out the song was changed to the way more boring words i see you like I, no.
1: I still like it i still like it a lot
0: i do too well they they changed it back once enough time had passed because it's obviously such a good title yeah it's a breakup song the underlying metaphor is kind of like a heartbreak that needs intensive care right but on the surface it's about thinking you're over somebody and then i
1: when i see you
0: and then you quote feel something when you see them
1: <laughs> james i feel something when i see you
0: what is it am i can i know rage rage well it's good no it's good to you were doing the um that hippocampus thing where we just stand around and vent our, our bad feelings out that's how we're healing now mm. tell me yes you feel rage yeah. when you see me that's how we're gonna heal from it the first step to addressing the problem is it admit- the problem yeah
1: it's it's like a good hook i feel something when i see you
0: i know i like it a lot and i love the instrumentation behind this one yeah it feels some kind of way i can't even put my finger on what exactly is so good about it but i just love it
1: when i see you
0: also interesting context specifically this song is very much real life inspired it's about phoebe's breakup with her drummer marshall vore so oh
1: as i say don't you dare I
0: didn't, I I swear I didn't know the Bo Burnham thing. But she broke up with her drummer. And that's what makes what she does in the third verse really cool. She says, I used to light you up. Now I can't even get you to play the drums. And when she says it, the drums cut out. It's such a great moment in the song and honestly on the whole album because the whole song feels like it's building to this climatic moment, right? And this moment where the drums stop in an ironic way kind of is that. It's a climax even though it really sweeps the leg out from under the song. It's kind of like an inverted climax. The song hits its highest point at its lowest point. You don't know how to describe it. That's like the focal point of the song even though it cuts itself way back. It's solid. And certified poetry alert, if you're a work of art, I'm standing too close. I can see the brush strokes. Like, I know you so well, I'm too familiar with your imperfections. It's, it's again, another literal instance of not being able to see the big picture, just like Chinese Satellite. This whole album feels so thematically cohesive. Ooh, I just really like that. Anyway.
1: When I see you.
0: We talked a little bit about Graceland back in our 80s of episodes. We did an Elvis Presley episode, talked about Graceland. Well, today we're going to talk about Graceland two. Electric Boogaloo. No, not that's not number two. T O O Graceland T O O. Gotcha. That's track ten. T E N. Right. <laughs> Good job. So you're an Elvis fan. Sure am. You know about Graceland. Sure do. Do you know about Graceland two?
1: What don't I know about Graceland two?
0: <laughs> Great. So so you know all about Graceland two. What the what the audience though they might not know. So I'll tell them. 40 miles south of Memphis, Tennessee, and therefore south of the real Graceland, in a little town called Holly Springs, Mississippi, an Elvis fanatic put together like a shrine tribute to Elvis that looked like a mini version of Graceland, like built a Graceland. And he stuffed this little house with memorabilia and souvenirs and Elvis stuff, like more than a thousand items. So much so that the fire department classified it as a fire hazard, and he called this little place Graceland 2, (laughs) T-O-O. The dude was obsessed with Elvis, and apparently if you, like, brought him, like, a six-pack of Coke or something, he would, like, let you come in and give you the tour of all his little stuff. Nice. Right? I know. Listen,
1: if somebody brought me a six-pack of Coke, I might give them a tour, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, please, come on in, look around. That's that's what I've got. You don't have a thousand... This is
1: my stuff. Behold, my
0: stuff. Connor's apartment, one. <laughs> <laughs> no, two. Two, oh. Okay. But just T.O. Oh, like you've come to Connor's apartment. (laughs) I like it. Well, the dude passed away in 2014. And in 2015, the shrine slash museum was closed and all this stuff was auctioned off. So now it's like abandoned down in the middle of Mississippi. But that's what Graceland 2 is. Very interesting place. But as far as the song goes, Phoebe says it's about caring for somebody who hates themselves and how that could be really hard. There's also an homage in there to friends in rehab or who are going through a tough time. So the song starts with a literal escape from a rehab or a psych ward. And someone who's been in that situation and in theory, you know, rehabilitated, starts to experience life in a new way, going on this journey, almost a little pilgrimage to find yourself. Right. What'd you think of the vocal harmonies in this song? I liked it. Liked it? Great. Well, those vocals...
1: Yeah, I think those two voices go well together.
0: They do. Well, they were contributed by. Open the filing cabinet back up. Not Connor Oberst though. They were contributed by her boy genius bandmates, Lucy Dacus and Julian Baker. Ah. So in a way, this is kind of like a sneaky boy genius track.
1: I see. Mhm. And I think part of the reason it works is sometimes when they'll do like harmonies like this, it doesn't sound as good as this one. And I think it's because it doesn't have as enough supporting. And I think the instrumentals really support the vocal
0: harmonies in a good way. Mhm. This song kind of sticks out from the rest of this album it's a little less spacey it's a lot more grounded it's a lot more you know physical instruments a lot less synthy production there's a banjo in there. There's some guitars and like a fiddle. It's very country. And honestly, it really evokes her normal folksy style from her first album. It's a lot more, I don't want to say of a return to form, but it feels like it would be right at home on Stranger in the Alps in a lot of ways. Let's see. One thing I love about Graceland 2, aside from everything, is that in the chorus, she says, I'll do anything you want me to. I'll do anything for you, which really calls back indirectly to Moon Song. right? If I could give you the moon, I'd give you the moon. And it calls back very directly to that last bridge of Halloween. I'll be whatever you want. And in turn, all of that ties right back into savior complex about how you have to do whatever you can to help this person. Yeah, It's so complex. It's so complicated. It's such a web of themes and emotions and everything congeals and comes together and The final place that it does all come together is track 11, I Know the End.
1: We finally get our realization that, you know, DVD menu ties into I Know the End, if you're paying attention.
0: That's right. It's here. The end is here. I found a lot of details about this song. There's so much happening here. Yeah. First of all, Phoebe says this is a bunch of things I had on my to-do list. I wanted to scream. I wanted to have a metal song. I wanted to write about driving up the coast to Northern California. She said, it's like a super specific feeling. This is, (laughs) she called it a stone thought. She said, it feels like purgatory to me. Purgatory, you know, like you you mentioned in your adjectives to describe the album. Sure did. She said, doing that drive is like purgatory up the coast of California. She said, I've done it at every stage of my life. So I get thrown into this time that doesn't exist when I'm doing it. I can't differentiate any of the times in my memory her filing cabinet is all out of whack she says i guess i always pictured that during the apocalypse i would escape to an endless drive up north she says i love tricking people with a vibe and then completely shifting and boy i know the end is a vibe shifting song
1: we're coming out the other side of the purgatory
0: yeah and not in the good way either
1: No, making it into the next, whatever the next worst thing after Purgatory is.
0: Well, I think hell is generally what the answer to that is, right?
1: I didn't know that there was an in-between step.
0: Purgatory is the in-between step.
1: Uh, Sometimes there's an in-between to the in-between.
0: Oh, okay. The exact middle.
1: I mean, Dante had like a million rings, you know.
0: We've been over this. We just went over this. It's seven.
1: (laughs) That was in the past. Shredded. And we got more horns!
0: We do get a few more horns.
1: Gotta love some horns.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's just such a fitting song to end the album, right? It's this apocalyptic song about the end of things, but it's not really an end-of-the-world apocalypse. It kind of feels to me like... It's the end of her world. Yes, it's like a personal apocalypse and an end to everything in her life.
1: Apocalypse now or forever or whatever that was i don't even remember anymore it's in the past
0: oh my gosh <laughs> whenever <laughs> apocalypse whenever? whenever that's what it was <laughs> Not Apocalypse was, uh, now that's the movie That is a movie <laughs> we did talk about bad sons and apocalypse whenever but this is a personal apocalypse you know her life is changing and in a certain sense it's a little sad to witness the end of all the things that you've known but on the other hand it's also really exciting to leave all that behind in anticipation of all the unknown stuff that's coming up next It's just so good. And like Kyoto, the first part of the song is about hating being on tour, right? Just the constant change, just being around and not being home and having to go it's hard it's it's a tough thing to cope with and it's a great capstone for all the themes so far i also i'm sure you liked this little part right early choruses say you had to go like a wave that crashed and melted on a shore but later that changes to i gotta go because i'm not gonna go down with my hometown in a tornado yeah like the wizard of oz and
1: you put a little sneaky mix up into your chorus. i didn't mention it on the earlier tracks but there was a couple earlier ones that did the same thing
0: yeah there a few this we're entering a a bit of a wizard of oz era yeah like with this song three clicks and i'm home she talks about the ruby slippers and stuff like
1: the wizard of oz has come up a couple times
0: it's about to come up again Oh, boy. Put it in the filing cabinet for the future. That's all I'll say. But there's that, right? Leaving and having to go like a wave on the shore. Uh, At another point, she says, we watch the sunset. I'm always pushing you away from me, but you come back with gravity. And when I call you, you come home with a bird in your teeth. So it sees the return of that eager dog metaphor, which, I mean, really just pulls the last little straggling pieces of this record into place. It it calls to mind ICU and Punisher and obviously Moonsong. I just like it so much. (laughs) In the end of the song, she talks about looking for a creation myth, ending up with a pair of cracked lips which weaves Chinese satellites search for faith and purpose into the song. And the album ends at its absolute apex. Like the highest... Point of the album the most intensity the biggest the everything it she says either way we're not alone I'll find a new place to be from a haunted house with a picket fence to float around and ghost my friends no I'm not afraid to disappear the billboard says the end is near I turn around there was nothing there yeah I guess the end is here What a moment. It blows my mind. It gives me chills every time I get to that part of the album.
1: It ends at its highest point of just like a bunch of crazy instrumentals.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) we finish that last bit of verse. And then everybody starts screaming, right? Everybody gets to yell as loud as they can. and, And the end is here. The end is here. It's loud. It's frantic. It's chaotic. DVD menus. Melody comes back. It's just so cool. It's so fun. And also, it's a little ironic. She said she really liked the thought of making The End Is Here be the last thing on the album. It's one of the, you know, you complained about the Beatles, how the end wasn't really the end. Well, here it is. You get it here. Yeah. Also interesting, she says that she started writing I Know the End, or at least a very early version of it, before everything else on the album. And then once the rest of the pieces of the record had fallen into place, when she had all these other songs in here, she reworked the whole thing. Which I think is one reason she was able to make it touch every bit of thematic goo that was still out there and, like, pull it all together. She says, I Know the End is, quote, the first and last song that I wrote for Punisher. So in that sense, it's extra cool to make DVD menu have that same melody, bookend the record. Because if this is the first and last song, I mean, it's the case for us listening to it, too. I just really like it. Anyway, we've talked about it enough. Now it's time for Final Spin. As I'm sure you've all gathered, I I could ramble. Yes. (laughs) I, I could ramble more. You're a rambling man. <laughs> yeah, do you ever realize that in songs that are about rambling men, they never include the g on the word rambling?
1: Yeah, it's always rambling. It's always
0: rambling. I don't know why everyone does it. So, to recap for a final spin, I've talked a lot melodies and music and production and all that stuff. It's genuinely so captivating. One of the reasons that I picked this album Again, to kick off the year of healing is because so many of its themes are about helping others and helping yourself and getting better and providing, you know, Punisher as a record starts a very slow, heavy uplift out of the dark clouds that kind of hang all the way over Stranger in the Alps. It's got these songs, you know, Graceland 2, Garden Song, ICU Moon Song. They all have their very own unique ways of portraying what growth and healing looks like in all sorts of different contexts. And I think that's really fascinating. Musically, no notes. 96. (laughs) Lyrically, 93. Instruments of production, 95. And the vibe also gets a 95. Nice. Mm -hmm. That makes the overall score of this album an incredibly good 95.8 and puts it not in my top ten. However, in my top dozen, at number twelve. Top baker's dozen too. It yeah is necessarily within the top baker's dozen as well. Arguably
1: more impressive.
0: It's not. It's objectively <laughs> less impressive.
1: Eh? Yeah, who's to say? That's good though. That's nice.
0: It's nice. It's real good. I love it. It's. I can't talk more. Yes. <laughs> anyway, you talk a little bit. Tell me what you thought.
1: I have thoughts. They are thoughts. They're very thoughtful.
0: Oh, yes. Please, go on.
1: (laughs) Melancholic self-reflection on a journey into purgatory.
0: Yes. Is that like a unit that you're trying to give? Like what?
1: No, no. Just thought I'd bring that back around to remind the audience on my initial, you know, judging an, an album by its cover opinions
0: oh yeah it's true i think this album lives up to your cover judgment
1: and i think it holds up
0: yeah it does
1: i think i need to really spend my portion of final spin here offering an official spin it apology and retraction
0: oh really okay yeah
1: you know we, we've entered the year of healing and it, i just don't think it'd be right for me to start us off with lies and deception
0: that's true that's also correct outside
1: of the lies and deception that we schedule into the episode
0: we have a built-in period to vent
1: yeah last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago we really know i
0: I know what you're about to say
1: i claimed i only took six yeah you did on the beatles yeah you did i've since gone back and checked the record books you know played the tapes reviewed the footage and uh the call has been overturned i knew i marked it down right i did indeed take 7. I knew it. I did a last second spur of the moment additional song that i didn't have written in my notes wow and so when i checked my notes it said six but in fact it was seven wow and so i think i only get my normal top three no honorable mention this week
0: amazing very honorable thank you
1: very honorable
0: very honorable okay it makes me sad because there's so many good songs on this album
1: you could take my honesty and reward it by waving Wow!
0: but now you've asked
1: for that (laughs) i'm just giving you options if you were sad i mean i was I was just trying to make you not sad. Okay. I was I wasn't asking for it out of selfishness.
0: No, you're right. I just feel kind of gaslit now. Like I definitely, I definitely marked it down right in the moment.
1: There, there was some unintentional gaslighting on my end.
0: Yeah, it wasn't arson.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was the it's like accidental burning your house down.
0: <laughs> That's just a fire.
1: <laughs> but like you caused it.
0: Like negligence.
1: Sure, negligence. We'll go with that. Ne-
0: negligent arson.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no arson. Just negligent. House burning. Sure.
0: Anyway Anyway, top
1: three in album order.
0: Ooh.
1: Yodo. Nice. Save your complex. Big skip. And I know the end.
0: Understandable. Very surprising top three for from you.
1: There's a Conorable Mention hiding in there. Say it. Moonsong. Ah, uh, yep. Honorable Mention.
0: Uh-huh. I'm really surprised as an Elvis fan and a ballad guy. Uh, the biggest, most notable omission for me is Graceland 2.
1: I think when you just, when you start putting everything in order, it unfortunately falls. It, I think it's a top half, but not a top three.
0: Okay. I'm so excited to know your score for this album. I have been dying to put Phoebe Bridgers on the podcast, I swear, for 105 episodes. Like, it's here. It's here. And now I get to know what you think.
1: What made you wait so long?
0: The timing wasn't right. It's a difficult balance because I don't want to burn through all the stuff I'm really excited about early.
1: Yeah, because then you have nothing to look to be excited about.
0: Yeah. I, it's, I'm doing my garden song. You know, I'm planting things and they grow at different speeds. Some stuff that I want to bring you, I absolutely have to prime you for. I'm like... We're not ready yet.
1: Fair enough. I'm giving this one. What do you think I'm giving it?
0: Well, I would love, I would not be um, unhealed, so to speak, if you didn't, but I would love if we started the year of healing off with a nine.
1: Mm -hmm. I would love that too.
0: Well, there is only one person that could make it happen.
1: And that one person is you. It's me? You picked the episodes.
0: Well, that's true.
1: You had to have picked a nine.
0: I guess that's a fair point. How, how'd I do?
1: I'm sorry. I'm giving this one a two. No okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah! kidding. But no, I am a little sorry because this one's only getting an eight.
0: Oh, only getting an eight? Wow.
1: I think you'll understand once you take a good look at my eights. Okay. I'm putting it right below Harry's house which also puts it below Abbey Road by The Beatles.
0: It does. And
1: Storms of Life by Randy Travis and some other pretty powerful albums that are sitting in my eights.
0: It does. It does. Where is it lacking? What What does this album have to change to make up that last point?
1: I'll be honest. I, I think it could just be my mood. Oh, Okay. I think this one could edge its way up into a nine or dip itself even down farther into my eights, depending on my mood when listening to it.
0: Okay, variable.
1: Yeah, because I feel like it's a... thinker album big time it's one that like to truly appreciate you have to be able to be in a state of mind to actively listen to it you're right whereas some ballad albums are ones that you know i just put on and let my emotions take over and kind of zone out and just get these impactful moments and without having to put too much thought in it it's a worker i just don't think i'm uh, i want to work right now so it's getting an eight
0: okay fair enough
1: like i'm sitting here and i feel like at the time of listening, I was feeling a low nine. But like sitting here now, like having to actually give it that score, I just can't do it.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I definitely think it's a thinker. It's very involved in its themes and its lyrics and its little metaphors that are, I mean, everywhere. There are more metaphors here than there are chestnuts on the ground at the Chestnut Festival, okay? so Is that
1: just because there's zero chestnuts on the ground at the Chestnut Festival? No,
0: (laughs) no, I'm saying if the game existed... There would be a lot of chestnuts on the ground, you know? I see. You couldn't even... You'd, you'd be blindfolded and you'd still be stepping on chestnuts, but you have to be paying attention to know when you step on a chestnut. So if you're just walking around with a blindfold on, what a weird... I'm. This is a mess. <laughs> it's an album you have to pay attention to, definitely. But your explanation makes a lot of sense.
1: This one's getting eight filing cabinet paper shredders of the past out of 10.
0: What a wordy unit.
1: It's been a minute since I've had a wordy unit.
0: Filing cabinet paper shredders of the past. I guess so.
1: I haven't had a good wordy unit in a while. And as for my playlist pick, I'll just get it out of the way and let you struggle to decide what you want to pick.
0: Struggle hard, I know.
1: I'm going to go with Kyoto.
0: Oh, wow, that makes my struggle even harder.
1: Yeah, that was my goal. Have fun.
0: (laughs) Great. Would would it be awful of me to take Chinese Satellite?
1: I mean, you're allowed to do what you want, but I feel like we both agreed that there were better songs.
0: We did. I just think it's funny.
1: I mean, do what you want. It's your pick. Just remember, Year of Healing and Turnabout's Fair Play.
0: You know what it needs to be? I think it needs to be I Know the End. Okay. That song goes from zero to absolute 100. It is every theme on this album incarnate. It's so great. And it provides an opportunity on the playlist for us to just scream. Yeah. I think that has to be my pick. Kyoto and I Know the End. And I do, in fact, know the end. And we are at it so if you've enjoyed this episode thanks be sure to drop a rating a comment a follow wherever you listen to podcasts and you know tell a friend who has trouble with their mental filing cabinets sometimes about this episode but tell them twice and
1: and keep telling them because they keep ending up in the past you gotta make sure they keep it in the future
0: that's right keep well in the present sometimes just put it back in their filing cabinet you know what to do if you're looking for us on the web you can find us anywhere you look at twitter at spin it pod you can find us anywhere you look at instagram at spin it pod official and you can find us anywhere you go to our website at www.spinitpod.com hey
1: it's me the mixtape oh
0: back whoa, in. hello hello
1: popping in the final spin <laughs>
0: welcome back
1: just here to remind everyone episode one of my blog is out now oh
0: my goodness that's right i forgot you're releasing a it's me for the start of year three
1: yeah Episode one came out this past Monday.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's your little mini blog where you'll answer questions. and
1: You know, I get asked a lot of questions. You know, who's the mixtaper behind the mask? And do you really work at Starbucks? Are you really the employee of the month at, at the airport Starbucks? And the answer is no. the answer's no. Oh, sad. But, you know, uh, I get a lot of questions, and so I thought I'd start answering them in a little, like, couple-minute-long weekly mini-blog every Monday. That's right. You can find them on my Twitter, at the underscore mixtaper, or on our website that James already said.
0: And I'll say it again, spinitpod.com. Nine easy letters.
1: Every Monday, new episode. And if you have a question for me, the mixtaper, that you want me to answer, you can ask me it on my Twitter or really just anywhere on any of the socials, the podcast one, any of them. You know, just ask me your questions and, you know, I may or may not answer them. And the answer I give may or may not be the truth.
0: (laughs) Oh, great. That makes (laughs) the tell-all mini-blog really pointless, but we don't worry about that. Put Connor back on. We gotta, we gotta wrap.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah. All right, Frank, I'm coming. All right, I'm back.
0: Well... There's literally only one thing left to say, and that's.
1: I have feelings when I see you.
0: And also, Keep, keep splintered.
1: I do feel a little healed.
0: Yeah, me too. I feel good. Like
1: one, like one percent.
0: One percent healed.
1: Yeah, you know, like I feel like each episode. I guess I'd have to be whatever. I was, was going to say, you'll only be 52% 52 52. healed
0: by the end of the year. Yeah, that feels about right. <laughs> that's not very good. <laughs>
1: I'm looking at like the year being 100%.
0: Okay, so this is closer to like 2%. Yeah. Well, that's a little healed. That's progress.
1: More accurately, 1.92307692% healed.
0: It's a step in the right direction.
1: All right, time to shred all this. See ya. Oh,
0: no. Don't shred the healing. <laughs>